Biblical adoption is not what you think it is. In his book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, author John Murray details what ancient Roman adoption was like. John Murray defines adoption as a legal act. According to Murray, it is the bestowal of a status or standing. How does understanding Roman customs from 2,000 years ago impact Christians in the year 2023? Today, our host will talk about biblical adoption and how it impacts us as believers today. Now for our host, Bill Petrie. In Romans chapters number 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul teaches us about our sanctified position in the Lord Jesus Christ and how God is dealing with us today under grace and not under the law. As he does so, he declares that in accordance with this, God has adopted us. We read in Romans chapter number 8, verses 14 through 15, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In this dispensation of the grace of God, we are the adopted sons of God. And this is a wonderful privilege of God's grace. However, unfortunately, it is often not understood and appreciated as it ought to be, due primarily to the restricted meaning given to the present usage of the word adoption. Today, when we speak of adoption, we refer to the issue of someone who is not the natural-born child of a couple being taken in by them and constituted a member of their family. By natural birth, the child is not theirs. But by adoption, the child legally becomes their own. This is the common meaning of the term today, and it certainly is an adoption. However, it is not what we should think of when we read about God adopting us. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, Paul is not simply referring to the fact that we now belong to God being saved. He is not simply referring to the fact that we are part of God's family, yet this is what is commonly thought. To adopt the child, not naturally your own, is only one kind of adoption. To adopt simply means to take something unto yourself and make it your own. 
there are other kinds of adoptions, especially in other cultures, one of which is the kind of adoption the Apostle Paul refers to in Romans chapter number 8. The word adoption, during the time and context in which Paul spoke, referred to the Roman concept of adoption. Now, I am going to give you two really good resources if you want to do a study on your own. The first one is a book written by John Murray. It's called Adoption Accomplished and Applied. A great read explaining the concept of Roman adoption. The other one is from Christianity Today, the magazine Christianity Today, published November 22nd of 2013. And it's titled, Adoption is Not What You Think It Is. Now, much of what I'm about to say comes from these two sources. In Hebrew culture, and even among the Greeks of Paul's day, parents adopted their own children. Now, this seems so foreign to us, but it's true. In the Hebrew culture and even among the Greeks of Paul's day, parents adopted their own children. When they did this, they recognized a level of maturity that their child had reached, and they no longer treated him as a little child, but began treating him as an adult. By this kind of adoption, the child was declared to be no longer in a state of childhood. He had now passed from childhood into adulthood. He was now declared to be a son and no longer a child. And he was now going to be treated as an adult by his parents. This is made perfectly clear in Galatians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul deals with it in quite some detail. Now, Galatians 4. Verses 1 and 2 state this. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Here Paul cites this unique cultural issue of adoption so common in his day. As he says, a father's own offspring is his heir. But as long as he is a child, or is in the state of childhood, 
his father doesn't treat him any different from a servant. He may be Lord of all, being his father's heir, but he is not treated as such by his father for as long as he is in the state of childhood. Rather, in accordance with childhood and being a minor, the father deals with his offspring using tutors and governors. The relationship between the two is restricted and is on a very trivial level. The father does not intend to always be treating his child as a child. There is an appointed time coming at which the father will no longer treat his child as a child, but will, in accordance with his growth, begin to treat him as an adult. This appointed time of the father is the time at which the father adopts his own child. He declares his offspring to no longer be a child in the state of childhood, but now he is an adult son. He has attained to sonship. Being so, his father is going to begin to treat him as such and deal with him accordingly. Again, this is the kind of adoption that Paul is talking about when he declares that we, in this dispensation of grace, are now the adopted sons of God. Having adopted us, God has put us into the position of adult sons. We possess sonship. He is not treating us like children. Instead, he is dealing with us as adults, as sons. In time past, God's heirs did not possess the adoption of sons. Rather, as Paul points out in Galatians 4.3, they were children, and God dealt with them as such. Galatians 4.3 reads, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. The law contract with its elements of the world functioned like tutors and governors, and through it, God dealt with Israel as the children that they were. Now, I want you to get this idea firm in your mind. 
as a parent, when we have young children, we deal with those young children under law. There are strict rules and strict regulations. There are things that we impose upon our children that, if you think about it, oversee every area of their life. We have rules as to when they go to bed. We have rules about how to take care of yourself, such as in hygiene issues. These are rules of a household. The law contract, with its elements of the world, functioned in this way. God dealt with that nation of Israel as children. However, the appointed time was coming when God would make provision so that he could adopt his heirs and begin dealing with them as adult sons and no longer have to deal with them as children. When Christ came, he came in accordance with the appointed time of the Father. But, well, in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, we read, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The provision to enable God to deal with his heirs as sons and no longer deal with them as children was made by Jesus Christ on the cross. In view of it, God could adopt his heirs, and the glories of sonship could begin to be enjoying, enjoyed by them. God, however, suspended his program with Israel, and they yet are waiting to receive the adoption of sons. We, the members of the church, the body of Christ, are the heirs of God in this present dispensation of grace. In accordance with the provision God has made through Christ for sonship to be a reality, and in view of the riches of his grace unto us, God has wonderfully adopted us, putting us in the position of adult, adult sons and treating us as such. We are not being treated by him as children under the tutor and governor system of the law. 
but we are being treated as sons. Now, I do want to state, Israel will receive the adoption when God resumes and fulfills his program with them upon the conclusion of this present dispensation of Gentile grace. In order to see this, just check out Romans chapters 9 through 11. There are many wonderful issues associated with sonship. There are also several differences between the way God dealt with Israel in treating them as children and the way he now deals with us as sons. One outstanding issue is that of the intimacy and direct personal union that now exists between God and us. Instead of tutors and governors, we possess the spirit of adoption. Instead of intermediaries, God deals with us directly through the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led, Paul writes again in Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And because, Galatians 4, 6 states, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. As Paul says, the major mark of sonship and one of the most glorious features is the issue of being led by the Spirit of God. When a father adopts a child, in particular his child, the relationship becomes much more personal between the two. And hence, it's much more intimate. No longer does the father want tutors and governors to come between him and his child, and no longer does the child need them. No longer does the father want his child's education limited to elementary and rudimentary things. Instead, having placed his child in the position of an adult son, now the father himself personally becomes his son's teacher and guide. The father now personally assumes 
the remaining education of his son. This is something not only looked forward to by the father, but it is also a wonderful liberty for the son. Going from tutors and governors to being personally dealt with by his father is an issue of great joy and relief to a son. The adoption commences a glorious, intimate relationship never before experienced under the tutors and governors. In full accordance with establishing this new intimate relationship that sonship brings, Paul says God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, possessing the spirit of God to be led by him is in direct contrast to the tutor and governor system of the law. The restrictions of relationship associated with that system are not being employed by us. The weak and beggarly elements of the world associated with that childhood system are not the basis of God's dealing with us today. Instead, nothing less than the personal operation of the Spirit of God within us is what we possess as sons. In view of this, just as with any adopted son, our hearts ought to overflow with joy and relief. Hence, Paul says that the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are Son, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The doctrine of our sonship status is full of glory. Being adopted sons is one of the jewels of the riches of God's grace unto us in Christ. Yet, it remains one of the most underappreciated aspects of God's grace that we are possessors of. And this is tragic. How many dear Christians struggle with their identity in Christ, placing themselves back under tutors and governors by going back under the law and failing to assume the sonship status that God has granted to them. 
they're trying to stay babies when God wants to deal with them as adults. Let this very brief introduction on sonship motivate us all to learn more about this privilege of God's grace that has been given to us. And most of all, to live as the sons God has made us. Good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.